With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Big Thursday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. We're going to start something new on this podcast with some of the surveys we do with tech subscribers. I like to call it, is the premise of this two-hour podcast boring and stupid? So I asked nine questions of the tech subscribers. The last question I asked, this is a podcast, potentially, if we decide it's not boring and stupid about whether the Big Ten should change its division structure, get rid of its division structure, go to just 14 teams altogether, take the two best teams for a conference championship. Should they rearrange them? What should they do? Spurred a little bit by James Franklin talking about it earlier this month. And then I look back and James Franklin talks about this actually almost every year. It's And we know why, and we'll get into that. But the question I asked tech subscribers, because this is an Ohio State podcast, in the end, Does Ohio State's division in the Big Ten, or if the Big Ten goes to no divisions or whatever, matter to you if the 14 teams in the Big Ten stay the same? Like, does it matter? The choices were, yes, it matters. The particulars affect the schedule and they matter. Or, no, I don't care. Let the Buckeyes play whatever Big Ten teams they play, right? People, I think, you know, Nathan, I think they do like to talk about oh, should Notre Dame join the Big Ten? Or, oh, should USC join the Big Ten? If we're not talking about adding, or or like, should we kick out Rutgers? Or subtracting, we're just talking about rearranging. You're not buying a new house. You're not building an addition. You're not getting out the sledgehammer and tearing down walls. The people on the home improvement shows love to take out the sledgehammers and tear down walls. I bet you you've taken out a sledgehammer and torn down a wall in a home in your life, Nathan Baird, that's something that sounds like something you would do. Sounds like something I would love to do, but I have not yet done that. That's like I, I, I watch those shows and I'm like, can I just come over and like do the demo? And then you guys put up new cabinets. I'll just come in and bash the crap out of your kitchen. Fuck I talk. That should be that's our new <laughs> listener uh, special reward program. Sign up for the texts. And uh, Nathan will come bash the crap out of your kitchen. So they don't have any home shows, at least that I'm aware of. If they get to this point, we know that the home shows have jumped the shark. Where That's called like rearrange your living room. 
This week, two attractive twin brothers come to your house and they move the couch from the left side of the living room to the right side of the living room. They don't buy anything. They can't, you can't even buy a chair. They pick up the rug and they take it outside and they do that thing with the rug where you, where you shake the rug a certain way and they beat the rug with a stick and then they put the same rug back in the same room. Next on Boring Home Rearranging. That's what this podcast is. So let's my, guess. Go ahead, David. So my, my favorite thing about the Property Brothers, who you're uh, referencing there, is at one point somebody, I don't remember their actual last names, but someone was going on the Wikipedia page and constantly changing it to say that they're the Property Brothers is hosted by Drew and Jonathan Property, and they would go. Somebody would have to then go back and change their real names, and then they go back in and change it again. Oh, they are fun and fun and attractive. Um, and one of them is dating the uh, the woman from New Girl now. What's happening right now? Should we just do rapid fire? Should we just what is do rapid ha- what fire? Is happen- what 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 is going on right Steven's now? Steven's like, can we go back to the podcast where I'm a genius <laughs> and I get to start it? We're nine minutes in, and what Steven is-, is like, we're talking about the Property Brothers. When do I get to participate in this stupid podcast? All right, so Stephen, the choices are basically like, do you care about this topic that we're going to talk about, or do you not care? Right? Do you care about division structure realignment if? Penn State moved to a different division as an Ohio State fan, or you just say, just they'll play whatever, whoever they play. What do you think won the text or vote, Stephen? Yes, I do care because it does affect who you play or no, just line up the Big Ten teams. I don't care what the deal is. Um, these are Ohio State fans, so it's probably I don't care. Just line up the teams. I don't know how much it matters. I think I might agree with that group just because, I mean, Oklahoma, the Big 12 doesn't have divisions, and Oklahoma's still winning the Big 12 every year. They've won the last six. So basically, since they introduced the Big 12 championship game between Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley, they've just been winning the Big 12. So it doesn't really matter. It does make things interesting, though, if you go to a 12-team playoff. You know, and you get to a world where the second bet, the team who doesn't win the Big Ten championship game is still getting in the playoffs. That's where it gets interesting because Penn State, I can just see Penn State fans complaining every year that we can't get to the Big Ten championship game because we have to play Ohio State during the regular season. Nathan, what do you think? One, we don't care or we do care. Well, based on the way you introduced this, I would say we don't care is probably what won. And I think that. It's true that Ohio State, I think, exists above that concept most years. But I think it's worth discussing because I think there's a non-zero chance of change and what will affect what effect would that change potentially have? I think yeah. that's worth talking about. This is not fanciful, right? Which is sometimes when it's like, mm-hmm. hey, should the Big Ten add uh, the University of Saskatchewan, it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they should, but they're not going to, right? It's fanciful. This is not fanciful. This is something that I know Pete Thamel was reporting in the summer is something that is on the agenda for multiple conferences to discuss. Stephen, to your point, that the, the looming expansion of the playoff has an effect here because all of a sudden, if it's just about determining the best team and it's like, well, you've got to beat the best to be the best and like sort of mm-hmm. however you get there, whether you have to play them in the regular season or you might be on the other side and not play them till the championship game, you've still got to win it, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to go through basically everybody that matters to win it. And so that's the deal. But in a world where being the second best team in a conference could get you in the playoff, trying to figure out who the second best team is, 
structure, who you played, what division you're in, when you played them can have an absolute effect on who is perceived as the second best team. So this becomes a big deal. I just want to establish again, another ground rule. This is our ground rule. It doesn't matter. I don't care about this boring, stupid topic did win, but it did not win by enough to prevent us from doing the show. I've, I'm going to, that's all that matters at the end of the day. Buckeye talk. I'm going to say, as long as we had 20% of the people who are like, yeah, that matters. I'd be like 80, 20. I still would have done it. If it was like 91, nine, I would have been like, guys, I don't know if we can do this. It was only 53, 47. So basically a toss up of whether you care or not. So the people do care. Here's the thing that I think we all realize. A couple of things are at play here. Basically, this discussion is the James Franklin is tired of losing to Ohio State every year discussion. Why do I have to play him when Paul Chris doesn't have to play him, right? Or at least Paul Chris doesn't have to play him until it's the last Saturday in December and Mm -hmm. Gus and Joel are there and everybody's watching. And if you lose to them, you are perceived to be the second best team in the conference. James Franklin wants Penn State to have the opportunity to be Wisconsin. And that, I think, is really what's driving the discussion here. So I asked a lot of questions from an Ohio State standpoint. But one of the issues of should Penn State get to try to be Wisconsin, to do that, Ohio State and Penn State would have to play less often, right? Because right Mm -hmm. now, Ohio State and Wisconsin play in the Big Ten championship game often, but they don't play in the regular season that much. So Wisconsin wins something, earns something, gets a division crown, gains status, and then plays Ohio State. Penn State just plays them. It's cool. It's a whiteout. People are there. It's a, it's a scarlet out this time in, in Columbus. It's important, but there's not status tied to it. And it's harder for Penn State to lose that game and then say, hey, 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 we're the second best team. Put us in the playoff where Paul Chris can be like, well, we played with them for a half and it was on Fox at night in December. That must be important. We're the second best team. So I do. I am. I was interested, guys, in whether Ohio State fans care about playing uh, Penn State every year. So we'll get into a little bit of specifics. A lot of this is more how Ohio State views it, what we think might actually happen. I asked two questions here. Whatever happens, Ohio State must play Michigan every year. Yes or no. Whatever happens, Ohio State must play Penn State every year. Yes or no. So, Stephen, I want the double answer. What percent of Ohio State fans said whatever happens with division structure or no divisions or whatever, Ohio State and Michigan must play? What percent said yes? And then what percent said yes, Ohio State and Penn State must play? And this is a good way to check in on who your biggest rival is because it's like, well, do you really care if you play every year? Um, Michigan. Yes. Every year. That's the historical Penn state. No, I disagree. I don't think it has to be every year. What's your percentages? What percent said yes, Michigan. If you think that 99.9% right. of people said Michigan and then Penn state, I'd say it's maybe more uh, 60, 40. Okay. 60-40, no. Okay. Yeah. Nathan, what do you think on Michigan and Penn State? Yeah, I mean, I think the Michigan one has to be darn near 100%. There's always, like, one or two jokers. So I'll say, you know, 99%. And Penn State, I would still think a pretty strong pull. I was thinking more like 
maybe 60 something percent, 63 percent. Yes. Okay. Steven basically nailed it. It was 98 percent to 2 percent. You got to play Michigan. And it was 58 to 42. Mm. No, you don't have to play Penn State. So 58, 42. No. And the way I phrased it was, no, it's, I, it's okay if it's many years, but not all, right? So not all, not all. So I think part of it is in theory, most fans would think that they're going to end up playing Penn State anyway in the Big Ten Championship because they think they're the second best team. So you're fine not playing them, not having to play them twice, basically. So this is not a Penn State podcast. This is an Ohio State podcast. But I would right. like us, little Dougie used to go to Penn State games. So I can at least attempt to view it through my childhood lens to some degree, watching uh, Penn State play Eastern Michigan for the games I went to. Is there a case, Nathan? Would you, if James Franklin is sort of politicking for this and at least raising the question, and again, we are doing this because we do think it will become a, a, a discussion point. Ohio State is Ohio State. The battle to be the second best program in the Big Ten and the second best, the second most attractive playoff contender is quite an interesting battle, I think. I don't know that it's that interesting in like trying to be number one because as we've discussed a million times, it's going to be really hard for anybody to get past Ohio State on a consistent basis the way things are going right now. Is James Franklin for himself, for his program, for his players, for his fan base, for his alumni, right to do this? to try to basically get Penn state away from Ohio state to give them more possibilities, or is it to be the best? You got to beat the best. Sorry, dude. You're both in the Eastern half of the conference. This is the way it is. That's it's not going to change. I think boy, it's tough because in some ways, like this is a basic structure of sports, right? The East West, that happens at pro, the pro sports level. It happens at the college sports level. It happens at the high school sports level. Like this is an, a normal way that we split up. And especially when you're talking about a conference that is spread in this direction, it only makes perfect sense to kind of divide it that way. So part of me is just like, this is just sort of the fabric of American sports that you split divisions geographically. And that's you're, you're at a place where um, the, the other power is in your, your conference, but, but, or your division, but, but so be it. That's like, that's not uncommon in sports either. At the same time, because just winning this conference is not the only thing at stake, I sort of see the merit for those who are arguing that it's time to shake it up. I, I see his stance that in a year where you might be the fifth best team in the country, but you can't get past the team in your division, but other teams who are worse than you can advance farther because they don't have that kind of a roadblock. Even teams within your conference can advance farther because they don't have that roadblock. I see where he's coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think if you're not the top dog in sports, you have to find a way to avoid the top dog as long as possible, knowing that eventually you're going to have to see them. But you'd rather see them as late as possible because that adds right. value to what you're doing. Fair or not, the longer you go, the, the more, the higher you advance, mm -hmm. even if you lose to the same team, you're perceived as better. I'm going to detour. Ha, ha I'm going to detour slightly. Buckeye talk. I was actually having this discussion with my daughter the other day, because to your point, Nathan, some North American professional sports are based on geography and some are not. And I would argue the ones that are not are better. Baseball and the NFL are not. The Dodgers and the Angels could play in the World Series. They're on opposite sides. 
But the NBA is based on geography. The Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers cannot play for a championship because they both happen to be in California. In the NFL, we had a New York Giants, New England Patriots Super Bowl multiple times. They're both in the East. If we were doing geography in the NFL, you wouldn't be able to do that. There is a way, there are ways to divide yourself not by geography. It's it's certainly a way. It is not the only way to do it. And the sports in, in North America that do it geographically, the NBA and the NHL, play more games, play more single games. There is a geographic travel reason for it, right? Because you're playing one, then you leave. You play one, then you leave. You play one, then you leave. And if you had the Warriors in the same division as the Orlando Magic, then that's tough. In baseball, you're playing three or four game series. So you can go to a city, you stay. And in the NFL, you're just playing one game a week, right? So you can see how the geography from a travel standpoint doesn't matter. That's what college football is. The tra- you're fine with the travel. It is not that big a deal whether Penn State has to play Nebraska more often or has to play Rutgers more often from a logistics standpoint. The logistics should not hold this back. And frankly, there's not enough tradition, I don't think, to the geographic alignment to have the traditional part of the geography be the thing that rules the day. Because it's like, oh, well, Penn State needs to play Ohio State. Well, Penn State's only been in the league since 94. What big a deal is that? Like there are rivalries we'd have to protect, just like Purdue and Indiana is protected right now from opposite divisions. You could protect that. But I I don't think – and now we're going back to leaders and legends leaders and legends failed because honestly, because the names were stupid and, and uppity and pompous. If they had just named them big 10 lakes and big 10 prairies or big 10 black and big 10 blue or big 10 red and big 10 white or whatever. Right. I actually think they would have been much more accepted. The pomposity of the big 10 ruined a decent alignment. So I don't, I don't think we have to go by geography. Is that, is that a compelling argument? Well, all those, I mean, all those pro teams that you, leagues that you mentioned do have a geographic element within the, within the leagues. I mean, within, you know what I mean? Like they split in half for leagues, but there's still a geographic. That's almost what college football is too, right? Like, I mean, there's a bunch of different leagues and within them, there is a geographic split. So not That's to get true. too bogged down in that, but I, I do think that there, there, it doesn't need to be geographical. We can argue, and I assume we will later in this, whether or not there needs to be divisions at all. But I've never thought that divisions had to be geographical. And I also think you can you can fudge the geography a, a little bit. I mean, I grew up in an era where the Atlanta Braves were in the National League West for, you know, it really, as a little kid, it really skewed my perception of United States geography that the Reds and the Braves were in the National League West. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, so where is Atlanta? Where's Georgia? And it, uh, I, I figured it out eventually, but um, you can, and I, was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest something that drastic. I wouldn't suggest that Maryland necessarily be in the Big Ten West. But if you, if you do throw out the the geographical, I, I think there are some ideas out there. Whether you come up with a concrete division that stays that way over a long period of time, or you come up with a non-concrete division that evolves in like constantly to maybe more equitably distribute where people are right now in terms of success in the conference. I think there's a lot of options if you throw out the geography. Are you saying that they should have a, a relegation 
with him not a the relegation. Not relegation, because I don't think you would split into the Big Ten good and the Big Ten bad. But I think <laughs> that would hurt some feelings. That'd be an awesome name for the division. That'd be an awesome name for the divisions, though. It would hurt some and they wouldn't call it that either. <laughs> the Big Ten leaders and the Big Ten trailers. But I think that there are some things that you can do. I'll bring up an example if we start breaking down ideas of where I've seen this work in a different way that maybe could apply to this. No, I do agree, though, that the geography part of it doesn't make sense when all these teams have private jets to fly the games anyway. Nobody's flying coach anymore. Yeah, or driving on a bus. Right. It's like, uh, hi, I'm Kevin Warren. I'm here to present PJ Fleck with the championship trophy for winning the Big Ten bad. I don't. I don't want to win the Big Ten bad, but it's also like, fine, you want to finish sticks in the Big Ten good? It's like, nope, I'll take the Big Ten bad. Thank you for the trophy. Okay, I'm going to just throw this out. We're going to speed this up and then get to the, the, the some rapid fire stuff at the end. I Honestly, I have a one, one move fix that I think legitimately would fix this. And I don't want it. You swap Purdue and Ohio State. Because the issue is that Penn State and Michigan think they're the second and third best programs in the conference and they want to get away from Ohio State. You're already protecting a rivalry for crossover, which is Indiana-Purdue. You swap Purdue and Ohio State. You no longer have to protect Indiana-Purdue because they're in the same division. And now you protect Ohio State-Michigan. And Ohio State-Michigan play that crossover every year. Everybody else rotates their crossover. And now you have Ohio State as the best team in with the side that's not perceived to be as good. And then you have everybody else who's perceived to be in the better side still there. And they like, we escape from Ohio State's shadow. I actually think that would work. I don't, it would make, it makes my stomach hurt. Don't, don't make us do it. I don't want to cover Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern every year. That would be even more boring good than what we're talking about right now this season. Like that's part of it. So I did ask, I did ask this question of the tech subscribers. What is more important in evaluating Ohio State's schedule? The schedule that gives the Buckeyes the better shot at the playoff or the schedule with as many fun, interesting games as possible, right? I would argue that Ohio State in the West gives them a better shot at the playoff. I would also argue the games. There are fewer fun, interesting games in that schedule, right? Nathan, what do you think people want more? Better shot at the playoff or more fun, interesting games? Better shot at the playoff. Steven, what do they want more? Playoff or interesting? Better shot at the playoff. You, you are all responsible for this. Every tech subscriber who voted for this, if that idea of Ohio State in the West playing Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Illinois every year, if it makes you sick to your stomach, that's what you wanted. 57% best shot at the playoff, 43% as many interesting games as possible. Now, the other side of that is you may not perceive easier to be better shot at the playoff. Which exactly. Is what you're going to say, Nathan. Yes, mm-hmm. because look at a year like this. Like, why do we – What? what's one reason why we think Ohio State has a good shot at getting into the playoff despite this loss that's hanging around it? It's that it gets to play all these perceived good teams in the East the second half of this season. If they were lining up – well, they do actually have to play Purdue and Nebraska. But if they were playing <laughs> – Illinois and a bad Northwestern team and along with Purdue and Nebraska, you know, take off Michigan and Michigan state and put on Illinois and Northwestern right now. Do we think their chances of making the playoff are better or worse? And so I actually, I did ask this question and actually I was just totally unfair to the tech subscribers and the listeners, Buckeye talk. 
Because when they say best shot at the playoff, they actually do mean tougher. Which opinion more fits your OSU division view? I want Ohio State in as easy of a division as possible so the Buckeyes are more likely to go undefeated. I want Ohio State in as tough of a division as possible to help the Buckeyes' playoff resume. Tough of as a division as possible, 85 to 15. So they do want it in. They're not, they actually don't care as much about interesting, but they actually do want tough because they think Ohio State can withstand it. And they think Ohio, the tougher increases the playoff chances. The hard thing about this is, so Iowa is basically in the hypothetical Ohio State seat that we presented. You put Ohio State in the West, how can they boost their playoff resume, right? That's where Iowa is right now. Iowa remains a feasible playoff team for one reason, because they have the chance to beat Ohio State. And so the one thing that Ohio State never has is the chance to beat Ohio State which is like an automatic boost, right? That somehow, I, I honestly think sometimes like those years, like in 17 and 18, when Ohio State, well, but see, Penn State still didn't make the playoff in 16 when they should have. Sometimes I think the, the win over Ohio State can almost be viewed as bigger than being Ohio State, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, if you're just Ohio State, you start parsing Ohio State against Bama and Clemson and Oklahoma and every and Notre Dame and everybody else in the mix. But if you beat Ohio State, it's like, oh, you beat Ohio State. And you don't parse that quite as much. It's like, they're really good. So I don't know. It makes me sick to my, not, I, well, I, is it offensive? To, is it offensive to the teams in the West to say that it makes me sick to my stomach to imagine Ohio State in the West and having to slog through that every year? Nathan, is that offensive? It's not offensive to me. Well, you're from a bean field in Illinois. It might be, it might be offensive to you. Well, but that's the point. Illinois can't beat anybody right now. Well, I guess they just beat Penn state, but some of those programs aren't beating anybody anyway. So what is, I mean, you could even argue that uh, getting Ohio state in there, like what guarantees Purdue a better gate every other year playing Ohio state or playing Illinois, Minnesota. Right. Like, I mean, that, or, you know, I guess in this case, they would still be playing Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, well, actually, no, they wouldn't because they, they'd right. flip. But then I can't use Purdue as example. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Indiana, Indiana, Indiana is probably guaranteed to sell out because it's three hours away, four hours away from Columbus. So, wouldn't it rather be in the same, you know, get that game? I don't know. My okay. examples went off the rails. Sorry. It's okay. So, there's, I'm going to talk about one about major, one major. <laughs> there's one major problem that is affecting the perception of this discussion right now. We'll talk about that and we'll come up with some theories and then we'll get done with this, with this discussion, which, which is mostly confusing and doesn't matter next on Buckeye talk. If you want to be a tech subscriber and have a chance to vote in a survey that you don't care about, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> 614-350-3315. We're usually pretty good at coming up with the ideas. This one was a little better in theory than an execution. So I'm going to throw it was better before Penn state lost on Saturday. Yeah. Just like everything that we've tried to come up with this week would have been better. If Penn state just (sighs) doesn't lose a nine overtime game to Illinois. A texter brought this up because this happened like two years ago, right? In 19 Illinois with lovey beat Wisconsin last year. But they beat Wisconsin the week before Wisconsin was, mm-hmm. gonna, was like was undefeated and was going to play Ohio State. Wisconsin loses to Illinois, and then it's like, oh, cool. The Ohio State-Wisconsin game isn't as good. So Illinois has screwed up a big-time Ohio State matchup twice in the last three years by beating a highly ranked team the week before. Penn State also did it last year when they decided to lose to Indiana in week yeah. one because – I mean, we can't – Penn State was 0-4 to start the season last year. They just – 
stuff. Hey, yeah, but we didn't know we didn't know that yet. No, we but, didn't. Yes. We didn't know it at the time. So, okay. So actually, the main thing here is that Wisconsin being bad this year has thrown off the perception of the Big Ten because I did look at the records, the overall records, which is not a perfect thing. And I think James Franklin would argue against this. Since the since 2014 and the creation of the current divisions. Ohio State has the best overall record. This is not just Big Ten record. It's best overall record. It was in quick research. Wisconsin is second. Iowa's third. Now, maybe part of that is because, well, they're in the West and they're beating up the other bad West teams, so the records are better. And I get that argument. But by record, and I guess some of this is, well, it has to balance out because you're in opposite divisions. Is Wisconsin, Nathan, maybe legitimately still the second best program? That, like, what are we talking about? the best programs on one side and the second best programs on the other side. Wisconsin's the second best program in the big 10. They're opposite Ohio state. That has been a frequent big 10 championship game. It's nobody's fault that there's quite a gap between one and two, but there's quite a gap between Ohio state and Penn state as well. What makes Penn state think that they would be in an opposite division from Ohio state and be any more formidable as a program or as an Ohio state foe than what Wisconsin has been. But Wisconsin has lost to three ranked teams this year. They've lost to the three good teams they've played, Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. And they've looked like crap while doing it. So now we forget for this year that Wisconsin usually plays pretty good football. Is this a moot discussion because we are misremembering what Wisconsin football is? And don't forget that in 2019, Penn State lost to Minnesota from the West, which was so Penn State's had its chance to win the West here in the last couple of years and can't do it. Um, I think what skews this is when we, because we cover Ohio state, because our, the, we're talking to fans of Ohio state and fans of Ohio state are responding to these surveys that the, the lack of any kind of a dip for Ohio state, any kind of a real dip always sort of skews these perceptions. I think you look at a team like Penn state that has the dip it's doing right now, or the dip that Wisconsin looked like it was taking early to start this year. And maybe we, we over emphasize that. Like we, we let that kind of apply to a longer period of time than it should that there are the other teams have blips that Ohio state just doesn't have. So I think you're right that there's a there has been a consistency from Wisconsin that even though it hasn't been able to break through the Ohio State roadblock has been consistent above the rest of the Big Ten. And that deserves to be acknowledged. Okay, let's try some solutions here. I have two theories that we'll start with and then we'll see what you guys would actually want to do. By the way. I just I did ask in an average year how much better is the Big Ten East than the Big Ten West. My choices were East is way better, East is somewhat better, divisions are even, West is somewhat better, West is way better. I felt like I had to give all the options to make it be a fair thing. Nobody voted for anything for the West, of course, but it was 83% East is way better, not close. Only 17% East is somewhat better. I asked this, which is a better plan for the Big Ten? have two divisions and the division winners play for the title like now, or have no divisions and the top two teams of the 14 play for the title. Steven, what do you think the texters preferred divisions or no divisions? No divisions. What do you think, Nathan? Well, 
because I went through and figured out what the actual championship games would have been every year. I think now having done that, I think I know which way I would vote, but I think they probably still voted for divisions. I think they like tradition and I think they like division rivalries. Divisions won 64. Okay. So not overwhelming, but divisions won. So I do think there, there are two ideas that I would sort of like uh, to talk about. One is no divisions. And then it gets difficult because it works. I actually think it might not be allowed at the moment, but they'd have to just change the, the rules of the NCAA, which they can change in, any, in anything. It works in the Big 12 because everybody plays everybody. So you have 10 teams, you play a round robin, you play all nine other teams, and you take the two best teams. It's actually pretty good. In a world where you can't play a round robin, but you do play a round robin at least in your division, and then you attempt to sort of equitably or randomly sort of split who you play on the other side, it does at least create two sort of level, that it's a level playing for within the two separate divisions. The two divisions themselves might not be equal, but the teams in the divisions are kind of equal. In a 14-team league, no divisions, who you play in a given year is going to have a somewhat significant effect on your record. And you might not get the two best teams. You might just get the two teams with the two best records, which is not always the same thing. So obviously a bigger conference, no divisions is not quite as smooth as it would be in the big 12 right now. So I do think there's that. I also think, I don't know what I think about random changing divisions. And the Big Ten likes to name things so much, right? And you do rotate who you play. What if when you set the schedules ahead, you sort of did it by announcing, here's the divisions for 2026. There's going to be seven teams in this division and seven teams in that division. And that's going to affect who you play. There's a protected crossover, but that's how we do it. And so that you are constantly having an equitable distribution of who you play in your division, but your division is changing. And I think that might work because I don't know that anybody's that caught up in big 10 East and big 10 West. And they love naming. Can you, they could announce every year in 2026, these seven teams are a division and these seven teams are a division group. A will play in the Big Ten Graham, that's named for Otto Graham, and you will try to win the Big Ten Graham. And these teams will play for the Big Ten Doherty, and that's named for Duffy Doherty, the great Michigan State coach, and that's what you're playing for. And then when you hang your banner, it's like, I oh, remember when we won that division. It had that name for that guy. And it's like, well, who did who was in your division? It's like, well, who cares? We won it. Right. Like, I don't know if that might work because then you move everybody around. Sometimes you're with teams in a division. Sometimes you're not. It affects your schedule. It still creates equity within the year. And, and I almost think that might work. There's also the pod idea. I, I do think there's like almost like a the, the pod stuff we've talked about. It's hard to do with 14 because 14, you can divide by two. You can't divide 14 by three or by four. So that makes it hard. So you'd have to add teams. And I don't want to have an adding team discussion. I want to have what's the best thing you could do with the 14 teams that you have. So I came up with no divisions or rotating divisions. Nathan, like, what do you think here? 
So rotating divisions was one of the ones that I had on my list. And I, I, first of all, I want I also was thinking that you would just name the divisions after great players, no great coaches, whatever from the big 10, uh, which, and as, as you were saying yours, it made me think that if you, if you came up with new ones every year, you'd eventually cycle around to having maybe the big 10 greasy from uh, naming it Bob greasy. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I, the way we did it, uh, so I'm in a fantasy football league where there's three divisions and uh, like three teams make the playoffs in one wild card, like the division winners and one wild card make the playoff. But the, we, we redo the divisions every year and it's based on the finish from the previous year. Now, part of that is because it's the, it kind of equates based on the draft order and your keepers. So like the team that's drafting first who finished last will be in the same division as the team that won the championship the year before if that makes sense. So I would, I would think you could do something like that. I probably wouldn't have it based on just the previous year though. I'd have like a three or four year, like rolling formula that did that. But I think it would, you would put the team that is first on whatever formula that is in the same division with the team that had would be last because to give people incentive, not to finish last and to give people incentive to finish first. And then those teams in the middle, you'd have some formula that, figured that out too. So I don't know that I would go, you could go completely random, but I think you would also come up with something that isn't quite relegation as Steven said, but it, it gives some incentive to, for trying to be in one division or the other. No, you just went down my alley. The only thing I would change is if you, the two teams that win their respective division get to name the divisions the next year. So if you know, Ohio oh, state like and Wisconsin win, it's like incentive. It's like if Ohio state wins a division, well, the other, you know, six teams in this division are now playing in division Buckeye next year. And these guys are playing in division Badger. And it's this thing that hangs over your head. You have to deal with that. You have to remember all year that you lost a division next year. Your reward is you should go win these divisions. You can name it after, or you can name it after, you know, Ohio state names, random stuff after people within their history all the time. You can do it that way. It doesn't always have to be the name of your school. Um, so I, had that, I, but then also, I, I have to ahead. interrupt. I'm just imagining Ohio State like winning a division like 81 years in a row. And it's like, hey, what's the <laughs> name of our division next year? And it's like, we're playing in the Big Ten Sonsenbacher. It's like Sonsenbacher. <laughs> it's like, that's how far down they went. They went through all the Heisman guys. They went through all the All-Americans. And the people at Illinois would be like, we're still trying to get the Big Ten Grange. We really want to have the Big Ten Grange. I can't believe they did Dane Sonsenbacher first. That'd be fun. It'd be fun. I, I want actually, to win. I Big Ten say if some if there's not a T-shirt eventually, <laughs> Ohio State Buckeyes, 2096 Big Ten Sonsenbacher Division Champions. I want that shirt. Uh, I think sorry, it's a great I, idea, but it'll never happen because of course there's not. no way the other six too much teams ego yeah. are going to want. Well, it's not even ego. It's like, hey, um, we're recruiting you to uh, you're recruiting head to head with Ohio State. Will you come play in Big Ten Buckeye against Ohio State? <laughs> That's why That's I thought of tough. it. It's like you won your division and you can use it as a recruiting tool. Come play in division if, Buckeye. Come you on. You can name it anything. It's like, hi, we're, yeah, we're trying to win the Big Ten Michigan sucks division. It's like and Michigan's <laughs> <Yes>. in it. <laughs> hi, Michigan, we won the division and we won the Big Ten Michigan sucks because those Ohio State ding dongs named it last year. Okay. I would love it. But no, in all seriousness, <laughs> the idea of first and like you kind of pick, that's how you come up with your divisions every year. So, um, Ohio State and then Rutgers are now in a division next year because they were first and last. I'm not sorry I put you guys last, Rutgers. And then it's 
Wisconsin and Purdue are in a division because they were second and second to last. You just keep going back and forth with it. And every year it can change. But also it gives you a little bit of continuity because the Big Ten standings aren't going to change that much, but they will change gradually over time. So I, I, I understand random, but random is just too much to think about every single year. The one that this way does add a little bit of, you know, continuity year year. That's it's less of a headache from a fan's perspective to remember certain divisions. I do think some of the stuff, whenever you're getting into things that your schedule for the following year isn't going to be set until the season before is done. That's hard to get our heads around in college football because they plan Mm. their schedules 10 years out. But again, like the NFL does that your schedule is, is partially affected by, okay, well, you're playing, you finished third. You're going to play a third place schedule. Let's see who else finished third. And you're going to play some Mm -hmm. of those teams that has an effect on it. As long as you know how many home games and how many road games you're going to have. And I do think they're going to get back to eight instead of nine. So everyone's going to have four and four every year. I I think that you could figure that out or no, I I do. I do think there's a lot of room to figure it out. And the bottom line is I still think within all of that, you protect rivalries, right? You protect Indiana, Purdue, you protect Ohio State, Michigan, you protect Northwestern Illinois, you protect what needs to be protected, and you just set that as a baseline and work around that. And I think that's fine. And that does not help hold anything back. So let me ask you this. So in the end, do we like any of that stuff, either random or based off recent standings? Do we like those divisions better than we like no divisions? Like if you're getting to a point where you're almost just like making divisions for the sake of divisions and that you're creating an opportunity where no matter how random you were or how based off previous standings you were, you very well might end up with in that season, the three best teams were all in the same division. It just like lucked out that way. And then it's like, well, we've prevented the opportunity for the two best teams to play for the championship because however we did it, all the three best teams were on the same side the best way to avoid that is just to there's nothing you just play 14 all lumped together how the big 10 used to do it back when there was no championship game and if you don't play everybody so be it but just like win all your games or win all your games but one and it's at least kind of fair and that's it like is that in the end is that not the better way here nathan i think what makes it difficult is just how unbalanced schedules could be how unequitable schedules could be when you're talking about 14 teams and you're only playing eight games that's that that you're missing you're not going to have a lot of common opponents to decide in a year year by year basis who makes it because i went back and did all seven years to see who the championship game would have been it's it's not a perfect exercise because the schedules wouldn't be the same but based on schedules that have happened in last year it would have been ohio state versus indiana because indiana and northwestern both had one loss but indiana beat michigan state northwestern lost to michigan state 2019 just would have been the same i think ohio state wisconsin 2018 would have been the only ohio state michigan rematch because there were three one loss teams but Michigan beat Northwestern. There was no Ohio State Northwestern game. Ohio State beat Michigan. 2017, a repeat of the actual game, Wisconsin, Ohio State. 2016, Penn State, Ohio State. 2015, Iowa, Michigan State, which is also a repeat. And in 2014, you would have had Ohio State, Michigan State head to head. So those, I think, actually, you get more compelling championship games. But I'm, I'm, I am concerned about the years where, and it, it could hurt Ohio State as much as anybody, right? Like the year that Ohio State 
by luck of the bad draw, had to play, still play both Penn State and Michigan. And maybe some team from the West missed all three of those games because all three of those teams, like it, it's, it's unlikely, but it's possible. I mean, I agree with that, but it's also, it already happens. Like Wisconsin yeah. had to play Penn State and Michigan so far this year. Like nobody else in the West, yeah. Iowa, like Iowa did have to play Penn State. But you know what I mean? Like it already happens to some degree. So yes, it would happen, but we're not completely avoiding it now. Go ahead, Steven. No, yeah, I agree with, I don't, I'd rather just go no divisions. I understand right now the big 12 can get away with it because they only have 10 teams. So everybody literally can't play everybody. But when they add four teams in 2023, I'm interested to see how it works out for them. But yeah, and I mean, there are years where Ohio, Ohio State has to play Penn State and Michigan every year anyway, and there are years when there are teams in the West who don't. So if that's the argument, then I'd rather just go no divisions, and then it's luck of the draw. Every so often, you just have to play the three best teams in the conference. But just a quick rebuttal to Doug, what you said. Yes, it does currently exist to some extent, but because of the division system, you still are deciding a lot of things head-to-head as far as who actually makes the championship game, and no divisions would reduce that. It would. It would. And I will say if you're Penn State or Michigan or Michigan State or anybody in the same division as Ohio State right now, yes, you have to play Ohio State every year to win a Big Ten championship right now. If you're Penn State, you have to beat Ohio State. But what you don't have to do is beat Ohio State twice. And if you're Iowa State right now to win the Big 12, you probably have to beat Oklahoma twice. Mm -hmm. So that is something it's like, well, what do you want? I think James Franklin's like, I want to get away from them. And it's like, okay, so then James Franklin wants two divisions and Penn State in an opposite division from Ohio State. If you go no divisions and it's like, oh, cool, we got them in the regular season. We beat them. And now the championship game is undefeated us against angry one loss Ohio State, the team that we already beat. But now if they avenge the loss and beat us, they're the Big Ten champ. Cool. Right. Like that's some part of that is not better for Penn State or Michigan right now. One of the other aspects here that I do think is minorly important. I wound up pretty wound up about this back in the legends and leaders days. Um, The idea of Ohio State, Michigan playing twice. I don't like it. I think you and the argument I made back then is if you create a world where Ohio State, Michigan, especially keeping that game on the last weekend of the regular season, no matter what, which I think is important so that if they ever would play in a big 10 championship game, they're now playing back-to-back weekends. And I think in that scenario, you cannot avoid lessening both that the rivalry game in the regular season is lessened by the fact that like, well, you know, almost no matter what happens or if this happens, you're just going to get a rematch next week. And then you get to your, Hey, it's our championship game. And it's like, Oh, well, these teams just played. And now we're going to see if the same team can win twice or if it's going to wind up 1-1. I think you lessen both. I, I do think that is a – it's theoretically an issue. Michigan has not been good enough in any structure to ever make a Big Ten championship game yet. So, like, some of it is like, what are we worrying about, Nathan? In your hypothetical situation, Michigan would have made it once. And we know Michigan's been close. And if Michigan was in the West, they probably legitimately would have made at least one by now if they were away from Ohio State. My question was – which would you prefer for Ohio State, Michigan? Teams are in the same division, can't meet in the Big Ten Championship, or teams are in opposite divisions with a protected rivalry game that is played every year and could meet in the Big Ten Championship. I won't make you guys guess. 69% be in the same division, can't meet in the Big Ten Championship. 31% 
protect the rivalry opposite sides they could meet in the Big Ten Championship. Stephen, am I overly worried about that? Or is the idea of, well, two Ohio State-Michigan games in two weeks is not great for anybody, and if we can kind of avoid that, that's worth at least thinking about. Yeah, that's not good for anybody. That, that game is a lot. And to have to like conjure that up again and expect it to see the expect to see the same level of product is not a realistic expectation, even if there is now a trophy involved. And I think it's going to be even, I think it's going to be even less valuable in some ways or, or, or more. There's even more reason to avoid it once we get away from a four team playoff structure, because I could, I suppose I could see an argument now where if Ohio state Michigan were clearly two of the four best teams in the country that that second game has some merit. I don't know. But it, it, if you're the Big Ten, you probably don't want that to happen either because if they really are two of the four best teams, then it lessens the chance that they both get in if you make them play twice. For instance, this year, um, you know, Oklahoma has its Texas rivalry, but Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State on the last game of the regular season. I think that's typical. They're, they certainly are doing it this year. And it's very possible – that Oklahoma and Oklahoma state are the two best teams in the big 12 and that the big 12 championship game will be Oklahoma, Oklahoma state the week after the regular season, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. So, you know, the earth's not going to hurtle into the sun because it happens also Oklahoma, Oklahoma state is in Ohio state, Michigan, but it's an important robbery in that state. We know I'll be curious to see what the reaction is. Like if that happens, it'll be a test drive for something like this. But I also don't know that, the fear of Ohio state, Michigan playing in a championship game would be a reason to keep divisions, right? So we got to have divisions to keep them on the same side so they can never play in a big 10 championship game. I don't know if, if you want to do randomized divisions, if you want to do divisions based on previous record, if you want to do no divisions, I think that might just be a reality that you live with, but I certainly would not move Ohio state, Michigan off the last weekend of the regular season, right? You got to keep that. And the times when you get a rematch, so be it you get a rematch and that's the way you do it. I, I, Nathan, I think in the end, that's probably what you would have to do. I, I don't think you can, you can hold up an entire structure that might be better just because that maybe would happen. Right. I, I definitely agree that as, as much as we turn our nose up at that rematch, it's not worth moving that game off the last week of the regular season, especially when there's no guarantee it would happen. The thing that I would fight against is Ohio state and Michigan being in permanent opposite divisions, which is what they were in legends and leaders. They were permanently opposite each other. So then you are like creating a situation to encourage the possibility of a rematch of that protected rivalry every year. If it's random, randomized or rotating or there are no divisions, then you have to deal with it. That was one of the reasons. And I don't think in the, in the beginning I was against it for that reason in Legends and Leaders, but I came around on that because in the end, Legends and Leaders with their stupid pompous names you had Penn State and Michigan in one bracket on one side. I can't even remember who was who. But Penn State and Michigan were on one side, and Ohio State and Wisconsin were on another. And, like, in the end, Nathan, like, that was probably kind of pretty good, like a pretty good way of balancing things. And they were just so pompous. And I say that as a very pompous person. That was pompous even for me that I actually think in the end they were sort of onto it with legends and leaders and then Dingleberries like me made such fun of them for their pompous names that they abandoned the division structure when they should have just renamed them. Honestly, they should have just renamed them. 
Well, I think in retrospect, it me we know now that the structure and the substance are more important than the names. Like in retrospect, people should just shut up about the names. Maybe that's that's as much of a solution as them changing the names. Like no. maybe look at the substance that was there and not worry about what the name what the divisions were called. But I would I think this uh, when I when I broke down what could happen with the pods. Can we talk about pods really quick? Just because I think it's something that other conferences have have. Well, yes, well, pods within a pod. You know what um, we could do? Like in the name, if there are pods, we're going to sponsor a pod. We probably can't afford the Ohio State pod, but we well, will. We will. The, they can play the Minnesota Rutgers and Purdue can play in the Buckeye Talk pod of the Big Ten. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say that, that the one that I have Ohio State in is the only one that I couldn't come up with a name for. But uh, such an if, awful if, pod. If, if you assume that if the big so the big this would only happen with 16 teams, you'd have to expand, as you said earlier. But if you assume that the Big Ten would expand west and then possibly add someone to the east, because they've talked, you know, we've heard Virginia or North Carolina or someone else out east, even Pitt, I guess, out east. And then obviously we've heard Kansas or stealing Missouri away from the SEC, something, something out west. So there was the Plains pod. That would be Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, and whoever else you added out west. The Great Lakes pod, I put Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Purdue. What I'll call now the Buckeye Talk pod, because I couldn't come up with a better name, but it's uh, Indiana, sorry, Hoosiers, OSU, Michigan, and Michigan State. And then the Atlantic pod, Penn State, Maryland, Rutgers, and whoever else you add out east. I think that actually ends up being a pretty equitable distribution of the powers within the conference. You put Nebraska and Iowa in one. You'd put um, Wisconsin would have a pod. That's actually they would have kind of the easiest one, depending on how good Northwestern decides to be over a period. Then always you and Michigan being in one pod and then the Atlantic put Penn State out there. They would have kind of an easy one right now, too, with Maryland and Rutgers and then whoever else you added into that. But geographically, I think if you split it farther beyond two divisions, I think you equate things a little bit easier. And then you start like, right, you can rotate the pods. You can combine two pods to make divisions each year if you want to. Mm-hmm. Or just even if you don't call them divisions, it's who you play. You always play your own pod. You rotate playing the other pods. I, I There was like a lot of – if you throw Notre Dame in the Big Ten and you create a world where it's like Penn State anchors a pod, Wisconsin anchors a pod, Notre Dame anchors a pod, and then there's an Ohio State-Michigan pod, you can really get to a place where it's like that feels as equitable as you can be geographically consistent, pretty fair from a schedule standpoint. You protect most of the yearly rivalries you want to protect. You can get there pretty quickly in a way that makes a lot of sense. If you don't add Notre Dame, you're kind of lacking that anchor in like the fourth pod as you like the, the Nebraska, Iowa pod is sort of like, well, good luck to Iowa winning a pod every year, unless PJ Fleck, you know, really makes Minnesota power. But I like, like, I, I like I that a lot. That's almost the top to bottom most talent equated pod because Iowa's not that much farther than those teams ahead of those teams. I don't think. No, but, I, but, there's, but I mean, it's like if you think like, well, right. I, no, I agree. I agree. There's not a top dog there. So, I mean, again, the pods, the pod idea is really good. It just required you have to get the 16 to do it. And if they ever got to 16, yeah. I think they would. In the end, in the end, so we'll go back and we'll finish this up where we started, which is, Stephen, does it matter? Like, so let, let's do two, two things, which is usually the case here in Buckeye Talk. Is this a somewhat important discussion for the Big Ten as a whole? And then is this a somewhat important situation for Ohio State? If the Big Ten decided to do something, 
would it potentially have a great effect on Ohio State or not? Let's look at the Big Ten side of things first. Is this something that really should be discussed and considered? And do you think it will be in a world with an expanded playoff, with a conference that has one big dog, with all the stuff we've talked about? Should they really look at this, Stephen? Yeah, because from the Big Ten side of things, it's just interesting how – I mean, we've had multiple conversations ranking the Big Ten programs, and I think we've all consensusly said Penn State's the second-best program, and they've only played in one Big Ten championship game, and that was 2016. Michigan's never been to Indiana to play in a Big Ten championship game. And so it opens the door for different matchups in Indianapolis and not just Ohio State versus whoever doesn't suck in the West, basically. So from that perspective, yes, it is a big deal, and it does matter. From the Ohio State side of things, no. It doesn't mean anything. They're still the best team in the conference, and more than likely they're going to claim one of those spots in Indy every year anyway. What do you think, Nathan? No, Yeah, I, I sort of think that no matter how I twisted this around and looked at it and came up with different divisions and pods and no divisions, at, Ohio State's still in the championship game more often than not, right? Like, I don't know what – they are the roadblock. There's not really a way that you can construct – compile the other teams into some kind of arrangement that creates a roadblock for Ohio state. They're still the team that everybody's trying to knock off. So as long as that's the case, I don't know that it creates a significant problem other than if you start fooling around with the Michigan rivalry, right? Which I don't think they would. I think Mm -hmm. that would be, I think that is a, a structural certainty within big 10 football that I think the rest of the conference would be fine with protecting that because they know what it means historically. And frankly, they know what it means as far as money for the league. Well, I do think Dave Brandon, as the Michigan AD, was willing to, I think, to jack around. And, and he's he played Michigan. He played at Michigan. Like he, I thought he should have known better. He, as the Michigan AD, I think, was willing to sort of jack around with the Ohio State-Michigan game back when they were doing all this stuff. And, and I think to Gene Smith's credit, he was like, we're not, no. Like, I, I don't know for sure, but I think in the end, Gene kind of put his foot down and was like, we are not moving it off the last weekend. Like, we're not doing that. That's a non-starter. And, and even though Penn State and Michigan were in opposite divisions and legends and leaders, like they absolutely played that game, right? They were going to play that game. And I think Gene was really important in making sure that was the case. It seems obvious now, right? But that was like at a, at a juncture in college football when we were in the expansion heyday. A lot of stuff was shifting. A lot of natural rivalries were kind of going by the wayside, whether it's Texas, Texas A&M or Nebraska, Oklahoma, right? A lot of things that were once sacred were no longer sacred. And even though Ohio State, Michigan is the most sacred, there was, I think, a bit of an inflection point there where the door was cracked on. Well, as we go into the modern age, do we have to do it this way for sure? And I think Gene Smith said, yeah, in the end, we have to do it this way for sure. It was one of those things we talk about when does Ohio State choose to throw its weight around? And I think I think they did then. And Ohio State was also at that at that exact moment, kind of at a point of vulnerability too. I mean, yes. just coming out of scandal mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call that, and having that turnover and not being quite the power that it is at this moment too. Right. Very true. So it's funny to think about maybe. You know, if you just had someone who was more willing to think about it, I, I don't know where we would be right now. I actually think where we would be right now is like, <laughs> if somehow they had decided that, that they had said, you know what, let's move it. 
we got to play it, but let's move it to the middle of the year. I think they would have done it for like two years. And then the two ADs involved would have gotten fired. And the two new ADs would have come in and been like, that's not happening ever again. And then like 70 years from now, we'd look back and like, oh, how come in 2012 and 2013, they played Ohio State, Michigan in mid-October. And it was like, oh boy, let me tell you about what happened back then. But they didn't do it. Thank goodness. A um, couple different things. Just some d- good comments on this stuff from the 419. I like us playing the best, most interesting teams every year. Going undefeated will mean less in the new playoff format, but I'll still always tune in for Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, et cetera. Let's make the Big Ten Conference Championship game mean something. It should be the two best teams every year. And, of course, Michigan at Thanksgiving is sacred. From the 513 ranking East versus West, I took into account that Ohio State is in the East. Therefore, the East is better every year. In the playoff era, the East is won every time. Um, interesting survey. I wish the championship game wasn't a given. I feel like those games generally do more harm than good. We wouldn't need divisions that can play whatever schedule you wanted if the championship game wasn't a thing. I do think that's something we did not talk about, Nathan. The idea of like, hey, just play the schedule and then whoever has the best records, the champ. And if there's a tie, there's a tie, and you have co champs. Why do you need a conference championship game? And to this texter's point, again, from the 614, the point is, well, it's a giant game and it's for money. I do think there, I think you could give up the champ, the conference championship games in an expanded playoff world where you're getting extra money from the playoff. You distribute that to everybody. Maybe you don't need a conference championship game, but I don't know. Is Dr. Pepper still on the name of it? Dr. Pepper. They have that whole thing with the guy with the whole town. It's a whole town economy based on championship games. As I can tell, I don't want people in, huh. in Pepperville to be laid off because they have a they transfer got portal. Yeah. That transfer, that, that transfer portal is pretty funny. But yeah, they're, they're not going to turn down that money or the exposure. It's also just a big moment in college football every year that the that some some portion of that weekend spotlight goes on the Big Ten. I don't think they're going to give that up. Uh, from the five one eight, just filled out the survey. Just a thought: the whole "what's better for OSU" thing is just a lot less important once the playoff goes to twelve. I think we should just do what seems the most fair for all teams in the Big Ten. Once we're at twelve, Ohio State with two losses and no conference title could maybe still even make the playoff then. I know this seems silly, but Ohio State won't always be the big dog. Things change. Um, Organize the conference based on what's best for everyone. Get rid of divisions, randomize the schedule, keep rivalry games, deal with the consequences. To be honest, I feel so bad for Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan from the 518. My goodness, that is a compassionate text. And that, I mean, like we could have that discussion again. We've sort of had that discussion. Is it going to change? Like what's going to change that we're – to be in a world where Ohio state's sort of like middle of the pack or that Ohio state's in the Penn state seat being like, I can't believe we're in the same division with Penn state and Michigan every year. This isn't fair. I, I, a lot of I, things I would have to happen, happen for that. Yeah. 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 Like Brian day needs to leave tomorrow. Gene Smith just makes a boneheaded hire. Jane Franklin doesn't go to USC and all of a sudden Penn state turns into a recruiting animal. Yeah, I mean, it is I, you theoretically, but it's like the execution of the things that would have to happen. Yeah, of, maybe it's it has to go precise like that. Yeah, it has to go exactly like this. And all of those two of those things might happen, but the third thing doesn't happen. From the 518, we have a lot of 518s. These are different 518 people. When Penn State first joined the conference in 1993, I thought it would hurt Ohio State because Penn State had more recent national success. Tell James Franklin he needs to be better and not worry about being a commissioner. From the 419, I want Ohio State playing the toughest team so that they at least get a chance to beat them. It would be a shame if Michigan State makes it to the title game and we didn't have a chance to give them a loss, even if we dropped the game earlier. 
It makes for a nice gauntlet for Ohio State to have to play Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State to always have a chance, and they always get to have a chance to beat each other. Also, I prefer a version of the Big Ten where you keep divisions, but the league ADs can vote a championship team in. Most of the time, it could be East versus West, but maybe it doesn't have to be. Well, that's kind of hard. If you're going to have divisions, but then not guarantee that winning the division gets you in to the championship game, kind of eliminates the need for divisions. Um, from the 614, I can understand Indiana, Rutgers, or Maryland complaining about playing Ohio State every year, but Penn State almost beat Ohio State in 2014. They won in 2016. They lost by a combined two points in 17 and 18 and played a fairly competitive game in 19. Given that recent history, I think Franklin is crazy for saying that. From the 612, I like the current tougher East. Um, from the 312, I'm a fan of the divisions. I want Ohio State to play Michigan and Penn State every year. Michigan State has to come along with Michigan. Those four teams need to be in a division to protect the rivalries. Another different 614. I don't see what Franklin is complaining about. From the 703, legends and leaders sucked. Would hate to go back to that. Seems like other conferences have lived with imbalances too. Seems like the SEC West and East aren't good at the same time most years. If the Big Ten expanded by two, the pod concept could be fun, but I don't see obvious expansion candidates. The last three didn't add much. Um, from the 614, I didn't realize Penn State was a rivalry game until my senior year. I still get more hype for games like Western Michigan because they're still beating a team from the state up north. This person is more excited to beat Western Michigan than to beat Penn State. From the 740, plain and simple Ohio State to top dog and the Big Ten anytime, any, any team, anywhere the Buckeyes will win. I also feel like playing a team twice is not beneficial to Ohio State. Sort of that, that two-game two opportunity we talked about. So I, I, it feels like, guys, in the end, a lot of the texters like sort of get the conversation. I don't think there's an easy solution. And I do think it feels like, from an Ohio State perspective, people are pretty okay with it the way it is. I don't think people are scared. The one thing, Nathan, that – and again, it's lessened a little bit. Actually, it's lessened kind of a lot maybe. The Penn State lost to Illinois, um, Iowa losing to Purdue, which is on the opposite side. But like this whole thing, when there were five Big Ten teams in the top 10, it was like, oh, man. And then you really start digging into Michigan State and Michigan. Like they're kind of one dimensional in some ways. They're good football teams. But in the end, Nathan, I, I don't think there's a lot of like fear from Ohio State fans that like the East is too competitive. It would be good for Ohio State to lessen the strength of the East, like keep Ohio state in the East or whatever you name it, but let's, let's swap out Penn state for Illinois, right? Like that kind of thing, get Penn state away from them. There's very little stuff like that, Nathan. And I do think most Ohio state fans are fairly confident with anybody that the Buckeyes wind up playing on a regular basis. I almost think that it's, there's going to be a big change coming up in college football because of the playoff expansion. And I'm one for, only doing like one change at a time, kind of having incremental change, not making a bunch of different changes. So I would almost like, let that happen. Let's see how that looks. Because I think one of the things that affects these conversations is nobody from the West has ever had a real national breakthrough. Wisconsin keeps getting kind of close. Iowa was really close the year that Michigan state made the playoff, but there's never been a team from the West that made the playoff. Like they've never found a way right. into the playoff, even when Ohio state had a slip up. So at least teams that are currently in the West, currently in the way this divisions are structured now. So I think if we go to 12 team playoff and then you see a team from the West get in as the big 10 championship game loser, or even somebody that is like the third or fourth team from the big 10 to get into a 12 team playoff, 
then I and then if they get out on the national level and have some success, I think it starts to change the conversation right now. But I think a lot of our texters and I kind of look at it the same way, too, is that because Ohio State exists up here and everybody else is just sort of flailing about trying to live up to that standard on any given year. It's really hard to just to justify it in some ways because it doesn't change the end result. I agree with the idea that the West maybe needs to prove itself on a national level, but I think it needs to first prove itself on the Big Ten level. And that's by you know proving that Penn State, proving this idea that Penn State and Michigan believe that the only thing that's in their way right now is Ohio State. Okay, well, if we remove Ohio State from the picture and on the road to Indy, then what happens? I think they need to, the West needs to, and Penn State and Michigan need to prove that first before we start talking about what they can do on a national scale. You know, win at home first before you get out in the world and try to do stuff. And since we went to East West, I mean, Wisconsin has clearly been the best overall mm-hmm. team in the West uh, in that time in both regular season and conference championship games. Uh, Wisconsin is 0-5 against Ohio State, 0-3 against Penn State, including the loss early this year. That was close. And including that Big Ten championship game between Wisconsin and Penn State, which was an awesome game. And Penn State needed to rally. They were evenly matched. It wasn't like Wisconsin mm-hmm. can't hang with Penn State, but they haven't beaten them. And they're 3-3 three and three against Michigan. So against like the three best teams in the opposite division, the clear best team in the West is three and 11. So I maybe, I maybe understand why sometimes James Franklin wishes that happy Valley was in Madison. All right, we'll come back. We'll do a little rapid fire and then we'll let you guys get back to your lives. We'll do it next on Buckeye talk. All right, Doug, Nathan, Steven back here. We've done, I think we've done a little bit of recruiting lately. This is a specific question. Even if we've covered yeah. this a little bit, it's okay. We'll, we'll cover it again. Steven from the 614, should I panic about Avery Henry? Now this is the offensive lineman from like last week. Should I panic yeah. about Avery Henry uh, being a guy ranked in the thousands? Does that mean the staff knows they're in desperation mode in offensive line recruiting or just every class? Does every class have some developmental guys and this guy is that, and he's from Ohio. Panic or no panic about getting this guy? I don't I don't know if panic is the word I would use, but both of those statements are true in the sense that Ohio State is going to have some developmental guys in this class, but also because of when this offer came versus when the commitment came, I read this as they're going to miss on these uh, bigger offensive line recruits that they want. As, and then some news, Cam Dubair, the number 76 player, the number three interior offensive lineman, will not be here on Saturday. He was supposed to come for the Penn State game. He will not be here. So that adds another, you know, mark in the they might just miss on some of their top targets left on the board on the offensive line. And also Shamar Stewart, the number eight player, number three defensive lineman, is no longer coming as well. And he's got some momentum that's taking him towards Texas A&M right now. So those are two, you know, negative things about this weekend on this weekend that's going to have like 50 people. But, yeah, the more important thing, Cam Dubair not coming. That's another – Mark in the this offensive line recruiting cycle is not going very well. Maybe like a pumpkin patch thing. He's just trying to get to a pumpkin patch on yeah, Saturday yeah, yeah, afternoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why go uh, watch football when you can go, you know, hang out in a pumpkin patch? You know, it's very hard. I tried to go to a pumpkin patch on Sunday and it rained. It is hard mm. to work the pumpkin patch into your fall schedule. Sometimes I do find I that it. to be difficult. And you can go to a parking lot and get a pumpkin, but I like to go to a patch. I, I find it more patch. rewarding. You know. All right. Matt Barnes, that is Matt Barnes question for you, Nathan. We kind of talked about this a little bit uh, on yesterday's pod. Is it just me or does it seem like Matt Barnes is getting a little more freedom to run the defense the way he sees fit? 
as compared to Kerry Combs, who was brought in to run the defense that Ryan Day wanted and uh, that Kerry Combs had never run before. That's from the 419. Do you think it's a, a fair assessment that Matt Barnes has more freedom, Nathan? It seems yes, but I don't know that it it's necessarily has anything to do with giving him freedom that he wasn't going to give Kerry Combs. I almost wonder if like that, you know what I mean? Like the, this, the, the decision to rearrange that staff was going to happen regardless. I don't know why he would keep Kerry Combs like under strictures, but then say Matt Barnes could do whatever he wants. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's, I think it's more a, just a part of the evolution that they were going through that they had to part of the decision was probably to say that this personnel arrangement wasn't correct. The staff personnel arrangement needed to be flipped a little bit, but also probably some admission on Ryan day's part that the structure that he was kind of adamant at keeping wasn't going to work, that they needed to be more pliable with that. Is it freedom or is just Matt Barnes bringing better ideas to the table? And so he gets to go do them. That could well, be that too. I mean, when Kerry got hired, he talked about all the different defenses that he had been part yeah. of the Titans running in the NFL. And certainly this single high defense was not what Ohio State ran when Kerry Combs was here the first time. It mm-hmm. was what Jeff Halfley and Ryan Day ran in 2019. So I do think we've conf- we've combined two issues, probably fairly, but I do think they are separate issues. One is, did the basic defensive scheme need to change or at least be expanded or adjusted and then separately did the primary defensive play caller need to change and I think after the Oregon game I think we all felt they probably needed to change at least one of the two and they changed both but when we saw Kerry Combs in the box I think we maybe thought they were going to change the scheme, but not the play caller Mm -hmm. and try that first. And it turns out they changed the scheme and the play caller. Mm -hmm. And in a world where we believe maybe incorrectly, but we believe that the scheme was not the play callers decision necessarily. It was the head coach's decision and the play caller was supposed to execute it, which sort of, I think is why we're getting a question like this, Nathan, that, I think you could have said, hey, you know what? Ryan Day still loves single high safety. He just wants a better, you know, mix of cover one and cover three. Within that, he wants a better mix of blitzes. He wants a better whatever. I'm going to change the play caller, but we're still going to have a single high safety. Or, you know what? The single high safety thing is killing us. Carrie, let's switch that out. Do what you need to do, but let's give you a shot to call it without being sort of maybe limited by an adherence to the single high safety, but they didn't do that. And I think Nathan, either of those were on the table, but Ryan sort of went whole hog and switched both when it's not, when the two didn't, I think our perception is that the two didn't have to be connected, but yet they sort of wound up being connected scheme and play caller. There's another important X factor when we start talking about the, the free safety situation and that's, that defensive staff changed happened as Josh Proctor broke his leg. And now you're taking off the one guy that they might have still felt had both the experience and the range, the, the athletic skills to be a single high free safety and be able to keep playing that same defense. 
And I think there are things that these other safeties do that can help Ohio State win games, but I think they are poor fits as a single high free safety. And that may have also influenced what they've done this year. And it's why I'm not, we asked the question the other day, like, are, are they done with the single high free safety forever? And I'm not sure they are because next year they get Josh Proctor back and they're going to, the personnel will be, you know, who knows what they decide to do with that going into next year. Cause I still think like Ryan day is, was really vehemently committed to that as the concept that he wanted to build this defense around. So will they revisit that when they get someone back there that they believe in more and with the guys that they're recruiting, if they're able to land some of these guys who I think are people that they believe in that same way, long-term I, I could see them revisiting that at least as a, a partial part of this defense. Cause I don't think even people who were frustrated by that look, by that scheme, I don't think it was that scheme alone. It was just the rigidity of it. Like, why not show both? Why not just be more um, multiple, be less, be less transparent with how you were approaching defense. So keeping that option on the field as a once in a while thing or interchangeable, I don't think is necessarily a problem, but you have to have the personnel and Josh Proctor's injury took that personnel, uh, eliminated that personnel option for, I think for this season. I agree with that because I mean, Brian Day and Jeff Halfley came from San Francisco where they're running a cover three scheme, basically. So that's where they got it from. But the, the 49ers aren't always in a cover three single high scheme. They, they mix it up a little bit. I think Ryan got stuck on the, the basic part of that 49ers defense and didn't evolve after that. And that's because he wasn't on that side of the ball thinking about it that way. All right. And again, we, I think we had, a, we had a good discussion sort of about that on the last podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the 937, I do think it's, it's fair to discuss this. Um, let me ask this hypothetical about the Oregon Ohio state ranking debate. If Oregon wins out, but wins in the style that they have been and Ohio state wins out by an average margin of 14 to 17 points playing presumably four ranked teams, will the committee defer to Oregon's win over Ohio state? What would you do in that scenario as a committee member? So we'll start with you guys on this because on, on the college football playoff show, show Shahan and I have been talking about this and around this, uh, a great deal. I want to ask, I'm going to ask it specifically two parts of, about this. And let's not think of it as an AP voter because AP voters are dumb. Nathan, no offense. I was dumb when I voted. Think of it as a committee member. You're in the 13 member committee room. The rankings come out next Tuesday. Let's say that they had come out this Tuesday. So right now, with what has happened, would you have Oregon or Ohio State ranked higher as a committee member? And then let's use the person's hypothetical. If Ohio State wins impressively through the rest of its schedule and finishes 12 and 1, and Oregon wins less impressively through the rest of its schedule and finishes 12 and 1, who would you you think who would you have ranked higher in the final? playoff rankings after the championship games in December. Steven, start with you. Who would you have hired now? Who would you have hired then? I'd have Ohio State hired now and then because I get the head-to-head and that matters, but I think a head sh- the head should be a tiebreaker in a situation where you feel like the two teams are still equal and what their ability is at that moment. And if, if, if I feel like Ohio State's a better team right now, regardless of who won a game a month ago, then I'm going to have Ohio State higher. But if they're equal, I'm putting Oregon. Okay, so you'd have Ohio State higher now and then, Nathan, you, as a committee member. And I do think it's fair for your thoughts as a committee member to be different than what your actual AP ballot is, because I do yeah. think 
They are similar, but they are not the exact same thing. They're not the exact same, but I think I approach my AP ballot in a way that's very similar to how the playoff committee approaches things, which is resumes and strength of schedule and those sorts of things. So I think on Tuesday, Oregon will be ahead of Ohio State. And I think in that scenario that your listener or texter proposes, I think the committee would change its mind and I think Ohio State will get in because I think they would look at the totality of a season and you got to remember um, Ohio State still has opportunities for wins that even though I think some of these teams like we already know what's happened to Penn State. Well, we know we know, but the text just so, said ranked. They're going to be ranked, right? Michigan, right. Michigan so State, the, Penn State, Iowa ranked. End of the day, the important thing is whatever you think of where these Big Ten teams are going to go end up, look at where the rest of the Pac-12 is right now. There is uh, Oregon has no opportunity for wins that are going to press this committee in really any way. And there, I think they still may, if they still have to play, you know, Arizona State or Utah or whatever, those are fine, okay teams, but they're not even of the caliber of the teams that Ohio State's going to play the rest of the way. So Ohio State's going to keep enhancing its resume no matter what margin of victory it wins by, whereas Oregon's kind of on a flatline situation almost. And I, I think the committee at the end of the day will, will look at the totality and it may be not until that final Sunday. I could, you know, they could keep a state, they could keep Oregon ahead of Ohio state until that final Sunday and then decide that at that point that they should be flipped. But I think on Tuesday, I think Oregon will be higher because the committee prides itself on supposedly on watching the entire games. And they know that, or Indiana had its fourth string walk on on the field in the first half in a monsoon. They know Maryland was missing its starting cornerbacks. They know, et cetera, et cetera, from these last games where Ohio State's been putting up these numbers, no, no matter how impressive they are. So I did watch the Oregon UCLA game, or at least the last three quarters of it, because the whole first quarter got wiped out by the nine overtimes of Penn State, Illinois. Um, and UCLA was up 14 nothing in that game. I do think some Ohio State fans are underestimating what Oregon is right now. Oregon lost to Stanford when their offensive play caller was in the hospital. And that's like a huge thing. And they also have had maybe the best defensive player in the country, like battling injuries much of the year. And he's back now. So against UCLA, Joe Moorhead, the offensive play caller who did in the Buckeyes was in the box and Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end who did not play against Ohio state was wrecking stuff. Anthony Brown, the Oregon quarterback is like really inconsistent. And he, in the second half, started 10 of 10 and was absolutely ripping stuff over the middle of the field. He was 6 of 6 after 59 yards, I think, on their first drive to open the second half as they took the lead. And then UCLA's on the next possession for UCLA, the punter just dropped the ball when he was getting ready to punt it. And Oregon recovered and then had like a short field and scored on a 20-yard drive and scored 14 points very quickly and took the lead in the third quarter. But that Oregon... Like when Anthony Brown as a quarterback and Joe Moorhead as a play caller are connected, that Oregon offense is pretty good. Travis dies, not great, but he's a decent running back replacing CJ Verdell, who's out for the year. They have a couple guys who can catch it. Johnny Johnson, a couple other guys at receiver, like good. Anthony Brown is, is pretty good. And I will say Dorian Thompson Robinson, the UCLA quarterback that Oregon beat, it would be the second best quarterback in the big 10. Like the quality yeah. of quarterback that Oregon and Ohio State were playing on Saturday may as well have been Tom Brady and Spurgeon win. Like it was like 
So like to your point, Nathan, we do have to keep some of this in mind. I do think so. So my my vote right now would be I would have Oregon ahead of Ohio State right now because I also think the UCLA win is better than any win Ohio State has. I have no question about that. So like Ohio State, so Oregon beat Ohio State, which is better than Ohio State win. And they beat UCLA, which is better than any Ohio State win. Because what's Ohio State's best win? I don't even, like Maryland? I don't know. But, and I'm a big head-to-head guy and always have been. And I've railed against people who, who don't follow the head-to-head. I think you stack the scales and you start off that head-to-head tilts the scales quite a bit. But you stack Penn State on that. You stack Michigan State on that. Then you stack Michigan on that. Then you stack Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. And I think it tilts the scales. I do think it tilts the scales enough in the end that my belief would be I would have Ohio State ahead right now. I think Ohio State – I mean, excuse me. I would have Oregon ahead right now. And unless like unless something weird happens, assuming that even if Ohio State's super impressive on Saturday and Oregon wins and is not super impressive, I still think Oregon will be ahead in the first rankings. But I think in the end, I think I would put Ohio State ahead, and I think the committee will in this texture scenario where Ohio State can, continues to look impressive and Oregon is maybe inconsistent. But they're not dreadful. I do think just for any Ohio State fans that think Oregon, that thinks Oregon sucks, like Oregon does not suck. They've had, had, they've had a rough stretch of stuff. They've lost their number one running back. They've lost multiple top players on defense. But Kayvon Thibodeau and Noah Sewell, it was another Noah Sewell reminder. Noah, on Saturday, Noah Sewell is great. He is a really, really good linebacker. He was the best player on that field, I think, in the Ohio State-Oregon game. He looks like that guy a lot. So Thibodeau and Sewell are real. Brown is is pretty impressive when he's good. Moorhead's a really smart play caller. I think Cristobal's a pretty good head coach. They've got enough dudes. Steven, your talent comparison back when we did that game, they're about as close, right, mm-hmm. as anybody gets on, to Ohio State on Ohio State's regular season schedule. Nathan, I do think because they struggled without Moorhead, because they struggled while battling through some of these injuries, I think they're playing like multiple true freshmen now because they have no other choice, right? Their Denzel Burks are starting to work in. And again, they recruit pretty well. I do think there is some perception of Ohio State fans that like, ah, Oregon, they got lucky that day and they actually kind of stink. And I think that's that's not exactly what the deal is here. Well, again, I also don't understand. I mean, okay, make that argument, but that means you lost to a bad team. So you lost to a team that's you think is worse than everybody else thinks they are. So I, I see what you're saying, but I think that it's also a, it, that argument works counter to the people who are saying that Ohio State should be ranked as high as you know two or whatever. And I, I'm going to be really interested on Tuesday because there are some really intriguing questions for this committee. Like how high do you want to put Cincinnati right now only to potentially rank the rug, yank the rug out from under them later? Cause I don't, we all kind of think that a 12 and 0 Cincinnati doesn't get in over probably even some one loss power five conference champions. I don't think that anymore. You don't think that anymore. Okay. But, but it's, it's, but, but it's, I agree with your play. point. That you're making. Yes. I and, agree with the point you're making. Yeah. And everything we just said about Ohio state and it's, lack of like heft in its schedule is kind of true about Oklahoma, except Oklahoma hasn't lost. So where do you put Oklahoma in this mix? Where does Alabama go in this mix? Even though they've lost a game, it's going to be uh, number one is locked away on Tuesday, but two through like seven are really intriguing right now. And, I just and want- the, the view of how they think now greatly affects how and, they're going to think down the line. And just for all the fans out there who are going to 
preemptively be mad when Ohio State's not in the top four. If Michigan beats Michigan State at Michigan State on Saturday, Michigan's going to be ahead of Ohio State. No question. No question. That's that's probably right. From a committee perspective, I think that's probably right. For now. For now. For now. For now. Yeah. On Tuesday. On Tuesday, I'm saying. And the other thing that I do think the committee does a pretty good job of is we go by results. We go by what's happened. But we also know what is to come. So the debate about, like, well, who do you actually think is better? Well, do you really think if Ohio State, Michigan played on a neutral, neutral field right now, would you pick Michigan? Do you really? And it's like, well, we actually <laughs> yeah. don't have to have that debate. We can just go by results. Right. We can go by the data, how they're playing, whatever. But this is going to be resolved. So let's not tie ourselves in a knot over a game that is going to be settled on the field. So I do think sometimes if you get hypothetically tied in knots about a game that's not going to be played, if you want to have a debate about Cincinnati, Ohio State, they're not playing in the regular season. You're going to have to make a distinction between them based on perception, right? You don't have to do that with Ohio State and Michigan State or Michigan. They're going to settle it, so don't waste too much breath on it. Go ahead, Stephen. You just made my point. Buckeye talk. But, but, do we think- do, but Stephen, we do that, don't we? Sometimes we get – because when the rankings just come out, it's the easy thing to do to go, oh, you think they're better than that? No, that's not. Michigan just won a road game against the top 10 team in the country and that's in their division. Yes, right now they should be ranked higher than you. That's not that. Was, I, I agree with that. That's not even the conversation right now. If Ohio State's going to be higher than Michigan. The question is, is Ohio State going to be higher than Oregon as long as both of those two teams win? That's where it is. And the argument there isn't because you think Ohio State should be higher because Oregon's a bad team. That's not at all what it is. It's just more who's as a team has progressed more regardless of who won that head-to-head game at that at that point. That's the real argument. If you're trying to make the argument that, you know, Oregon was a bad team, you're going to lose that's then you might as well not have the argument because all the especially when you start adding all the asterisks of you know, Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play in that game and they lost their second best defensive player in that game and the guy that killed Ohio State is no longer playing this season. So that's not I'm not even worried about where Michigan's going to be on these rankings. The only conversation is, well, first of all, from a national standpoint, where's Oklahoma? Because they're undefeated, but they look like they suck. Where's Cincinnati? Because they're a group of five teams who's undefeated. And then where is Ohio State in relegation to where Oklahoma or Oregon is? Everything else doesn't matter right now. And the, those are the it, four. Those are the four. You're right. Well, and I also made the point if Michigan, I think if Michigan beats Michigan State, Michigan would be ahead of Ohio State and, and Oregon. They'd probably be yeah. ahead of both. What if Michigan State beats Michigan? Now you still got an undefeated team that just beat Michigan. I know it was a home game, but like that's a team that might also be ahead of Ohio State at that point. So I actually want to discuss the Michigan-Michigan State game on the Friday preview pod. Like, mm-hmm. not as much as I want to discuss Ohio State-Penn State, but like to some length. And I will tell you, and you can go listen to my thoughts on that game because we did a lot of it on the Wednesday college football playoff show. I actually think Michigan State is better than Michigan. So, I, I, and I'm not exactly sure why anybody thinks Michigan is is better than, than Michigan State or why we view them any differently. I'm not exactly sure why Michigan's ranked ahead of Michigan State, frankly. And I made fun earlier in the year of like Michigan State jumping up because they beat Miami. But like Michigan jumped up because they beat Wisconsin. And Wisconsin and Miami both suck. And so neither of them have particularly impressive wins. They've played like the same schedule in the Big Ten. And 
I actually think Michigan State's like a better top to bottom team. So anyway, we can talk about that more in the Did Friday we- pod. When does basketball start, Stephen? The season. The first game is November 9th. So okay. we can save that conversation for another week. We're getting there. There's a Chris Holtman question. We will do a basketball preview podcast. I do think sometimes we get basketball questions, but like dropping a basketball discussion into a football podcast for eight minutes, like the people who want the basketball discussion, like aren't going to get enough of it and might not even know it's there. And if you really are not that interested in basketball, you're like, that was eight minutes of my life that was wasted. It would be good to do it next week because Ohio State's going to kill Nebraska. So we could dedicate a pod to that. That's a good, that's a good uh, question. That's a good question. Um, Okay. Let's stop there. We have said that we will continue to try to work in rapid fire questions on a regular basis because so many of them are so good. We love what our texters bring to the conversation from the 513, not a question. Just wanted to let you guys know every time I get a text now, my girlfriend asks me, is it Doug or is that Nathan again or the best one? Why does Steven text you so much? Just thought you guys would enjoy Mm -hmm. that. There's nothing we like hearing about more than annoying the loved ones in your life with our texts. We don't want to annoy you. We hope that we're not annoying you. We hope that you're, we are providing you little interesting tidbits throughout the day and a connection to the team that you love. But every now and then, if your loved one is like, those guys again, that's because I, I think sometimes that's what your loved ones say about your actual friends. Seriously, Steve, how often does Steve text you? Why does Steve text you so much? Why doesn't, can't we just go to a movie without Steve texting you about the Cavs game, right? So I get that, but we want to be like Steve, Buckeye talk. Okay, big, big, I think, meaty game preview. So this one's not going quite as long as a Thursday pod. I think the Friday pod might go a little longer than a typical Friday pod because there are, like, I do really want to dig in. I want to dig into the idea of, are we underestimating Penn State because they've had two weird losses their last two games? Are they actually a good team? Where can they give Ohio State any issues? And then I want to really dig in on Michigan, Michigan State, because it's a preview. It's like an undercard to the Michigan State, Ohio State game and the Michigan, Ohio State game. So it's worth talking about Michigan, Michigan State this week. Read Cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Drop the reviews. Try the text at 614-350-3315. I don't write that much. So when I write, you have to read it. You have to read it. Or if I write, I was up till 4.30 in the morning finishing my giant story about how Ohio State game plan for Micah McFadden. I've got screen grabs in there. I circle guys with the MS paint, right? I circled guys. I put their names in there in a little font. I have quotes from Nicholas Petit Frere and Jeremy Ruckert and Tom Allen and Micah McFadden and Ryan Day. It's gigantic. It's the biggest thing about the Ohio State football team I've written all season. And if I stay up till 4.30 in the morning to write it and nobody reads it, then it makes me less inclined to want to do that the next time at 4.30 in the morning. And I would like to be inclined to do it again because I actually do enjoy writing. I just don't have as much time to do it. But I kind of like digging in a little bit on football again. So I know you guys write every day and it's not you don't have to have a parade because Doug wrote a story for the first time in six weeks. But (laughs) Go read this stuff. We don't just talk. We don't just talk. Buckeye talk. What else do you guys want to prop up? What do you have? What do you, what do you have on the site, Stephen? Or what do you have coming that people should be on alert for this week? So a couple of things. One, 
um, Friday, if you want to know who all is going to be at Ohio State on Saturday, as far as a recruiting standpoint, check that out on Friday. That'll be up. It's going to be a long list and it'll be pretty detailed on what the heck is going on with these guys. So check out for that. But also, I, what's interesting about Ohio State and Penn State right now is Penn State's best offense is sitting on Ohio State's bench right now. And that's Kyle McCord as its quarterback and then a, a healthy Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. Marvin, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. as its outside receivers. So you said Marvin Harrison and it sounded weird to you. You, you yeah, think it should because be Marvin I thought, Harrison. Because I thought about it for two seconds. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming as its outside receivers. And if they were to pair that with what Jahan Dotson is doing this year, we're talking about a whole different game on Saturday if that's their situation especially I understand Kyle McCord didn't look great against Akron but then you're talking about a situation where he's a starter from day one and he's worked up to this point we're seeing what CJ has been able to do now that he's gotten experience Kyle would probably be at the same point even if he's not better or worse than CJ so if that's what we were dealing with I think we're having a whole different conversation and that's an interesting thing um, when you're talking about Ohio State and the way they kind of dominated Penn State on the recruiting trail the last two years Interesting stuff. Baird, what do you have on the site or what do you have planned? I wrote a piece for this morning that's already up there, like, I guess, Wednesday yesterday morning, morning. Wednesday morning, um, about Jahan okay. Dotson, about how he shredded Ohio State last year and how he's maybe a little bit better this year. And now it's a it's a new secondary that Ohio State's trying to match up against him with. So that'd be, I think, an interesting matchup for Saturday. I'm writing for Thursday morning about this Penn State secondary. It's probably the best secondary Ohio State's going to see this season. And what does that mean for these receivers? What does that mean for CJ Stroud? What does it mean for Ryan Day even a little bit as a play caller and how you attack a team that has so much uh, veteran skill in the secondary? So those are the two things I know about. And I've got a couple of things I'm trying to work on. Um, I'm writing about Tyreek Smith. I don't know if it'll be this week or next week, but I texted out some little details to our, our subscribers this morning from my conversation with him. So 614-350-3315 if you want to get those little inside tidbits. So we appreciate you guys listening. We don't ever take that for granted. You make all of this possible. Um, again, Buckeye Talk is a success in our company because of you guys. So thanks for doing that. But we also certainly love any opportunity you take to go to cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk or cleveland.com slash OSU and find our stories that uh, Nathan and Steven do it every day. I do it four times a year. Uh, but but that is also a big part of what we do. We, we, we do like to think of our coverage, I think, comprehensively, that there might be things that we talk about that we don't write about, but there certainly are things that we write about that we don't talk about. There are things that we text about that we don't talk about or write about. So if you really want to be connected to the Buckeyes in every possible way, listen, read, get the texts and uh, bother your loved ones. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>